Hello, everybody. Wow, what a crazy day that we are living in today. I was thinking, man, I'm so thankful for scientists and doctors around the world who, man, if it weren't for them, this thing could have wiped out the whole world potentially. And so, uh, so grateful. And what a, what a day and age. I hope that everybody's healthy. I've been praying for our church and our church family and your families and, uh, and just praying that, that God would be with us through this storm that we're facing. And um, interesting day for churches is I'm sitting here in an empty building uh, preaching to my church family right here at Impact Church. And so, you know what's great about the church is the church is not a building. It's the people, it's the body of Christ, it's the family of God. And so God's word continues on. It doesn't matter if you're in a building, if you're in your own building, you could be sitting in your bed right now in your pajamas. That is the beauty of technology today. And so I'm grateful that God's word goes on. We live in some crazy times. I was talking to my grandmother this last week. She's 86 years old and she told me that she has never experienced anything like this in her entire life. I mean, think about that. That means since 1934. And that's a lot of living, man, and never experienced anything like this. And so every day is a new day. Each day is day to day. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, uh, if there's going to be new uh, restrictions or recommendations from our federal or our state governments. And every day it's ever changing. Uh, the one thing I do know is that we need to kick this virus's butt so that we can get back to business. Uh, it, it's made me think a lot about, there's a passage in James chapter four, and it's talking about uh, not putting our hope and our trust in tomorrow. I want to read it to you. It, it says, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or to that city. We're going to spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. So God, we are praying that it is your will that this virus would be put to death, God, that we will move on and we could get back to business and get back to family. And we pray for health and safety in our church in Jesus name. The reality is, is that we should never take anything for granted. This is a great life lesson on not taking life or family or anything, stability, normalcy for granted. Never take anything for granted. This just goes to show that you can work your entire life to build a business, to become successful. You can chase money, you can chase possessions, popularity, power, and it can be gone in a flash, in an absolute flash. The world is ever changing. The good news is, is that in an ever changing world, God never changes. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you grateful that we serve a God that never changes? I sure am. He still loves us. He still cares for us. He has a great plan for our future, for us. When the world is unpredictable, God is still dependable. God can always be counted on, and we are going to get through this. We are going to make it, and today, I want to talk to you about what to do when I'm headed for a shipwreck. 
You know, there's a lot of storms in life that we go through. We go through relational storms. We go through emotional storms, uh, financial storms, medical storms. Right now, we are in the middle of a global storm called COVID-19, and we're all in the same boat together. And to be honest, it's not good news yet, but we are headed for a shipwreck. The ship is going to wreck. I want to just look at Acts 27 today, and it's a story about Paul's shipwreck. In fact, the Bible says that Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was in three shipwrecks, and this is one of them in Acts chapter 27, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it to you. Verse 20, it says that a terrible storm came, and it raged for many days. It blotted out the sun and the stars. And then it says this phrase that is so frightening. It says, until all hope was gone. All hope was gone. You imagine Paul, he's being transported to Rome and he's a prisoner at the time and he's gonna go stand trial before Caesar. And as he's on this boat, this storm comes. Earlier in Acts, it says that it was a gale force winds storm in other words it's a nautical term gale force that the storm winds were 40 to 55 miles an hour it says they started throwing cargo out they started throwing ship equipment out they were in a state of desperation just trying to survive but that verse that says all hope was gone is what gets me the most all hope was gone because i know there's a lot of people right now that feel just like that they feel like all hope is gone. I mean, this is crazy. No groups greater than 10, no gatherings. Uh, we're gonna stay at home and people self-quarantine. This is like a movie that we're all living in and we're all the actors, only it's real life. And it can feel like all hope is gone. But I love that that's not the rest of the story because in the verse 22, Paul says, but take courage. But take courage, none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. He says in verse 23, for last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. You know what I love about this is that in the middle of the storm, where it feels like all hope is gone, God sends a messenger to stand by us and to encourage us that you're going to get through this. Yes, the ship is gonna wreck. The ship is gonna wreck, but you're going to get through this. And in verse uh, 24, he says, don't be afraid, you will surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more is that God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you so take courage for I believe God and it will be just as he said the truth is is that there is going to be a shipwreck for some of us the ship is already wrecked maybe you lost your job maybe uh, you've been laid off or maybe uh, you, you you lost a business or a company we've been hearing a lot of stories around the world about things like this the ship is wrecking. The ship is going to wreck. There's going to be damage. 
We don't know how much damage. We don't know how bad the damage is going to be. But one thing I can tell you about the damage is that there is always treasure in the damage. There's always going to be treasure in the damage. Later in the Bible, the shipwrecked, and it says that the debris from the boat was laying all over the sea and people were able to jump off the ship and grab the debris and get back to the beach safely. Sometimes I think the ship wrecking is exactly what God needs in our life because he wants to get our attention. He wants us to focus on him, to surrender our lives to him, to draw near to him. And today, as we look at this, I just want to give you five keys, five points of what we should do as we're navigating through this shipwreck together. What do we do? Well, the first thing is, is that we need to remember to do things courageously. It'd be so tempting to cower right now. It'd be so tempting to give in to my fears and to my worries, but I don't know, man, that's not me and that's not you. You're a part of the Impact family and family of our family. We are people of faith, people of courage. There's been many times when we've had to rise up with courage. 9-11 was one of those times. And as you remember and recall those days, our country linked together and joined forces and became stronger than ever before. Today is another day like that. It's not the day to shrink back in fear. It's not the day to surrender to my worry or my angst. It's the day to rise up in courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the answer to fear. It's I'm going to do it anyway. Three times in Acts 27, Paul encourages them to be courageous. In verse 22, he says, take courage. In verse 24, he says, don't be afraid. In verse 25, he says again, so take courage. Yes, it's going to be shipwrecked, but we are going to get through this situation. We are going to make it. You know why I know that? Because God's word tells us so. Because God's word tells us that we're going to make it. His word has promises for our lives. He says things like, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He says, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says, if God is for you, who can possibly be against you? He says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, not even this COVID-19 virus. He says in his word, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, we are going to get through this. And when we do, we're going to be better and stronger than ever. Impact family, I want to encourage you that now is the time like you've never done before to dig in to the word of God. Do you know that it's the word of God that builds our courage? It's the word of God that builds our faith. The Bible says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing the word of God. If you want more faith and less fear, you got to hear the word of God. You got to read the word of God. Uh, you got to memorize the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. It is time to dig in to God's word today because it grows our faith. In the Old Testament, there's 
a young man named Jeremiah and Jeremiah was uh, called by God to be a prophet to the nation. The problem was Jeremiah was terrified. He was full of fear and he said, God, I can't go prophesy to the nation. He said, I'm too young. Number one, he said, number two, I can't even speak. I don't know how. And I love God's response to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, you don't have to be afraid. He said, you are going to be a prophet to the nation. And he touched his mouth. God touched Jeremiah's mouth and he said, I'm going to give you the words to speak. I'm going to put words in your mouth. That's what God does for us. Jesus is our portion. God always gives us what we need. He says in Philippians 4.19 that he will give us what we need. God supplies all of our needs according to his great riches and glory. So listen, Impact Family, it's time to rise up in courage and to rise up in faith and that we walk by faith and that we walk by faith and not by sight. The second thing that we need to do is just to do things peacefully. Not only to live at peace, but to be a person who brings peace. Our world is in chaos right now there's a lot of people not only afraid, there's fear mongers and people are trying to cause fear, people trying to capitalize and make profits off of fear. Listen, like never before, our world needs peace. Like never before, God needs us to rise up and be men and women of peace. People are stressed, people are worried, and they need the peace of God. You can give that to them. I love Matthew 5 because it's the first sermon that Jesus ever preached, his first public sermon that he ever preached in Matthew 5. And he starts off with the Beatitudes. If you remember, he talks about these eight attitudes that we ought to be. One of those attitudes is in verse 9 of chapter 5. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I want to read it one more time. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now there's two very important things about this verse. Number one, first Jesus says blessed. You know, blessed simply means happy. You wanna be happy? You gotta be a person of peace. Be a peacemaker. Look for ways to offer peace. Look for ways to make peace, pursue peace in your life. The second thing that stands out in this verse is he says they will be called children of God. You know what that means? In other words, you are like Father God when you're a peacemaker. You are like our Father when you are bringing peace. God is the God of peace. God is a peacemaker, and we need to be peacemakers too. God brings harmony to disharmony. He brings unity to conflict. And if we're going to get through this victoriously, we need to unify and bring harmony and peace to our world. Let's look at the third thing. The third thing today is that we need to do things differently. Hey, look at church today. We're doing things radically different all around the globe. I mean, preachers and pastors are preaching uh, from, from empty buildings, from their homes, from cameras. You know, things are different, but it's still the same gospel and it's still the same God. We have to do things differently. Life is not the same. 
Life is not the same. Life might not ever be the same. In Proverbs, it says this, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Sometimes God allows shipwrecks in our lives because he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up. He wants to give us a wake-up call. Sometimes he allows situations that will shake us to where we will become different, to where we will do different. This could be physically, emotionally, spiritually, or even relationally. Obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic, our world has to do some things differently with our president and our governors talking about not gathering in groups of 10 or more. We're staying home. Los Angeles has been uh, even more than that, and they stepped their game up in California and, and put on lockdown. Movie theaters closed, bowling alleys closed, restaurants closed. Uh, I mean, you go down the list, everything is different. But listen, desperate times call for desperate measures. I strongly encourage you to do what we are being asked to do by our leaders. We're going to get through this, but we've got to do things differently. In the storms of life, it's where we can take a good look at who we are. We can take a good look at ourselves. What have I become? What is my character? Am I a person of integrity? Do I live for God or do I not? Have I gone off the, the track or am I on track? In the book of Acts 27, during the storm, I love this verse in verse 40. It says, so they cut the anchors off and they left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders and they raised the foresail and they headed to shore. Basically, the ship was about to wreck. It's tossing, it's turning, it's sinking. They're throwing cargo out. They're throwing equipment out. And then eventually they see a glimpse of a beach. They say, you know what, maybe we can make it if we just get rid of the anchors and we can run this thing ashore. It's exactly what they did. They cut the anchors and left them in the sea. That is not normal. Normally, you would pull up your anchors, but there's no time, man. Time is of the essence. This is an urgent situation. They cut the anchors. Listen, some of us today need to cut some anchors in our own lives. You know, anchors are those things that hold us down. They keep us in place. They keep us from moving. The problem that we have to ask is, what are you anchored to? The problem is not the anchors themselves, but it's in what you are actually anchored to. Some of you need to cut the anchors in your life. You're anchored to the wrong things, to the wrong place. You might be anchored to addiction. You might be anchored to bad company. You might be anchored in a bad relationship. You're anchored to the wrong things. And God would say spiritually today to you that you need to cut the anchors. It's like pruning a tree, right? When you prune a tree, you cut off the dead branches, but you also cut off some of the living branches so that the tree can be more fruitful and stronger in its life. Listen, as you cut the anchors today in your life, 
I want you to know that it's going to make you more fruitful and it's going to make you stronger. During this storm, I encourage you to look at your spiritual life and to cut some things out, to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to get your heart aligned with the heart of God. The fourth thing that we need to do is to do things selflessly. Selflessly. We need to team up together. This does not have to be a dog-eat-dog world. That's what dogs do. We're humans. Even in times of crisis, we need to live selflessly. God created us to live selflessly, not selfishly, to serve one another, to put others first, to help one another. Someone told me last week that they watched some young people cut off some older people at the grocery store and take the groceries that they would have gotten. Man, God wants us to live selflessly. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus would want us to do, to unify and to live selflessly, do things for one another. I love this in Acts 27 verse 43. It says the commanding officer, he ordered all those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. And then the others, they held on to the planks and the debris from the broken ship so that everyone could escape safely to shore. In other words, they had a plan. How many can swim? I can swim. Okay, look, you're not getting the planks. You're not getting the debris. If you can swim, you got to go now. Swim. And they did it, man, selflessly. I'm going. And they jump out in the sea and they swim to shore. If you can't swim, the planks and the debris there for you, baby. Jump out and grab onto those. And it says that every single one of them made it safely. Man, that's what it's about. It's about living my life selflessly for the cause of other people. There's a great passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it's verses 7 through 10. It's in the message translation, and it says this. It says, take nothing for granted. Take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. And most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so that all can get in on it. You know that selflessness is the heart of God. Our world, it teaches us that we should be selfish and that I should get mine. And it's all about getting, getting, getting. But Jesus showed us that it's all about giving, giving, giving. In fact, he says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's about giving your life away. True living is from giving. In John 15, 13, the Bible says, greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. That's a verse not only about what Jesus did for you and I, but that's a verse about what we need to do for all of our loved ones. I'll read it again. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Let's look at the fifth thing today. Is that we need to do things prayerfully. Prayerfully. 
Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer touches the heart of God. As you look back in Acts 27, it's the communication with the messenger of God that not only gave hope to Paul, but it gave hope to everybody that was sailing with Paul. In fact, because of the touch of God on Paul's life, the favor of God on Paul's life, everybody in the boat was saved. Can you imagine because of one man who was sold out for Jesus Christ, because of one man who loved God with all of his heart, the entire ship was saved because of one man's relationship with God. It saved the whole boat. How many people in your life will benefit from you living on fire for Jesus Christ? How many people in your life will benefit from your prayer life and you praying for them, you praying for their families, for their children, for their parents, for their jobs? Listen, we need to pray and bring down heaven like we have not prayed in our entire lives. In James 5, it talks about the power of prayer. Now remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Same moms, different dads. James, it's been said that he had knees like that of a camel because that's how much he prayed. He was a man of prayer. James was a man of prayer. And in the fifth chapter of James, he talks about prayer. And this is what he says. In verse 13 through 16, he says, is any one of you in trouble? He says, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And it says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Let the Lord Raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Impact Church, I am calling our church to pray this week like we have never prayed. I encourage you as families tonight, listen, we're all stuck in our homes. We're all in quarantine. We're all trying to get through this 15 days. You know, there's blessings in disguise. If you didn't listen to my message called Blessings in Disguise, it's from a few weeks ago. There are many blessings in disguise. How bad is it that we have to stay in our homes with our families and enjoy our families? I mean, there's some good in that. Reconnect with your loved one. Reconnect with your wife. Reconnect with your husband. Reconnect with your children. Play games. Do puzzles. Play some cards. Enjoy one another. Enjoy one another. But what I also want you to do is I want you to pray with one another. And I want you to pray for our country I want you to pray for our leaders, the government officials, that God gives them wisdom. I don't care if you like the people in leadership or not. I want you to pray for God's wisdom in their life. I want you to pray for a medical breakthrough, a scientific breakthrough. I want you to pray for immediate relief for our world, not just the USA, but for people all over the globe, immediate relief that we find a, a cure for this sickness, that we find a cure for this disease. This is important. This is not a 10 second prayer, a, a 30 second. I'm talking about grabbing 
your family and sitting down at the dinner table, sitting down in your living room and praying for our loved ones, praying for God's protection upon us, God's mercy upon us, praying for those who already have contracted this virus to be healed and to set free. Pray for minimal damage, minimal shipwrecks today. And most of all, I want you to pray that this sparks a revival in our land like we have never seen before. That this is a come to Jesus moment like we have never seen before. Listen, you might be listening today and you don't know Jesus Christ. This is your time to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. This is your come to Jesus moment. And I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. God, today we pray in Jesus' name for everybody who is listening to this message today. And I pray for your protection upon their life. I pray for your anointing upon their life. God, I pray for health physically. More importantly, I pray for health spiritually. God, that we surrender our lives to you. Listen, if you're listening to this message and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you right now, right where you are, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I acknowledge you as my Lord and as my Savior. I invite you, God, to dwell in my life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me unconditional love. Lord, your word says that you wipe our sin as far as the east is from the west. God, that your forgiveness is good and it's forever. God, that we now enter in and live in the state of grace. Maybe today you need to re dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. Would you do that right now? Jesus, today I rededicate my life to you, God. I'm going to live for you now, not for myself. God, I surrender wholeheartedly. No more playing games. God, I surrender. Move me from pretender to surrender. God, that I'm all in for you.